Welcome to the Permission to Be You podcast. A podcast which intends to nudge, push, and inspire you to give yourself the permission to be you. I'm Diane Schwerep, and I'm your host. Once again, this episode is filled with insights, and in some cases, jaw-dropping information. I'm not going to reveal much, and it is longer than my normal 25 to 30 minutes. It's really worth your while. Sit back, wash the dishes, put your mobile phone in your back pocket, put your headphones on, and enjoy listening to Maida share her story. Hello, Maida. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Really, really great to see you. Um, I was really touched that you reached out and wanted to be part of this conversation, wanted to contribute to something that's really close to my heart. Now, as I just said earlier, before we started recording, I do not prepare. I, have done, I haven't done any research about you. The only thing I know is what, uh, when I, what I told you before, that Anke was hoping that we would have a conversation together because she said, you have a beautiful story. So for the sake of the listeners, would you tell us where you come from Originally, I hear an accent, which I really like. Um, what you do in your life and what you're passionate about. Tall order. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a long, just brief. Yeah, no. I was born in France, but grew up in Syria, in Damascus. My parents are... Your typical Middle Eastern in the sense that my family of, came from Syria, Lebanon, Europe, Palestine, and Armenia. So there's, and, and I have a grandmother who was born in Colombia. So th- there was, there's a lot of things going on. That's a nice mixture. <laughs> a lot of, lot of um, survival DNA going on. When I was 11, my parents had to leave Syria quite abruptly for some certain, because of, you know, circumstances, the same that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. So they left and um, we immigrated to France. So I was 11 at that time. From 11 to 30, I lived and worked and uh, married <laughs> in France. And then we, my husband and I, we, we, used, we, we both were working in finance and in investment banking. So we, we left from France to London and then from London to the US where we have been living here in New York City since 2003. I did investment banking, not as a passion, but more as I'm one of these persons who have no idea what I'm doing and where I'm going. And, and for some unbelievable reason, anytime I tried to 
planned something it never works <laughs> so i thought sometimes i just don't plan. i just like send things out there and then the first thing that comes that seems acceptable or that i like then i take so this is what happened this is how i started investment banking and then came a time where i started getting sick well before that before that I, there was this thing inside of me that was telling me something is not working. Something is wrong. There is something, you know, wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't happy either. And I was in this very bad place. I call it bad because it's the place where you know there is something you should be doing, but you're not doing it because the place, you know, better the devil, you know, and the place where you are is cozy and, you know, investment bank, it pays well. And, and it works well with all the survival issues that I have. I'm an immigrant. My parents are immigrants. My grandparents are immigrants. Everybody, nobody knows what home is in my family. <laughs> so I knew something was not sitting well. I used to complain that I lost my spirituality at that time, that I'm all about money and, and surviving and buying stuff. And it was never, it wasn't going well. So I resigned the first time. I resigned multiple times. One of the multiple times that I resigned, I was, I was feeling happy with it. And then they took me back with, they gave me everything. They said, what do you want for it to stay? And I gave them the list and I got the list. So I stayed. And three months later, but throughout that time, I wasn't breathing well. It was really getting pretty bad. I, I kept on like collapsing on the streets and stuff. And then three months after my aborted resignation, <laughs> I, I was diagnosed with cancer, with advanced cancer. And I had a lymphoma, like a, 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 an abnormal growth of my lymph nodes all over the place. And the reason why I was embracing it was one of the lymph nodes was inflamed and was taking three quarters of my thorax. Plus, I had a second cancer as well in my lungs, which was likely to be a uh, lung cancer. From, from there, me, who's always been extremely into holistic and, you know, like good foods and more or less vegan for a long time in my life as well, and on the acupuncture and the homeopathy, blah, blah, there was, at that time, I knew I had to go through chemotherapy. It was a soul choice. It wasn't my choice. It wasn't my soul's choice. I had to go through that experiment in a way. So I went through it and I found, I can be very resourceful. And I found a lot of tricks in a way that now I can, I know what it means, but at that time I didn't know, but I start speaking with my cells and start imagining my white cells talking to the cancer cells i refuse to beat cancer because cancer is me so i was it's part of me that wasn't happy <laughs> and i continued working it was like nothing was happened has happened i i continued being the crazy person that i was before <laughs> and nothing has happened and I continued like this for a year after treatment. And I was very lucky. It was cancer left extremely quickly. I had very few side effects. I almost didn't lose my hair. I lost a lot of hair, but I was supposed to be completely bald after a month, but I didn't. So I was, I was doing well. And then one day, 
one Sunday, I received an email asking for a conference call. Now, mind you, I'm used to work every Saturday and Sunday and weekend and holiday and 25th of December. I'm used to that. I hate it, but I'm used to it. But that time, something inside of me was not okay anymore. And I went into a fit. I was enraged. Ah, that's my, my weekend. How dare they? Oh, that can wait tomorrow. It's actually could wait tomorrow. It could have waited, but the next day, but hey, that's my banking. And something inside of me said, if you continue like this, the next one will be by far less pleasant. Uh, okay. <laughs> so now I need to listen. <laughs> what are we talking about? And the answer was the next one you will not have a second chance. The next one will be by far less pleasant and it's not going to go okay. I'm not scared of dying at all. I've never been. This is one of the good things about living in these countries like the Middle East where you, know, you live with older people, so death is part of life. So it, is not, it doesn't have the, you know, this, the fear that you have uh, in Westerners countries, but I'm scared of suffering, like physical suffering is something that is, it's, it's part of the survival <laughs> fears that I have. You know, I lived in, country, in a country where people can be tortured for, and I, I knew people in my family and my, and my parents' uh, friends, among my parents' friends who were physically tortured. So I, 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 I have assimilated physical pain in, in my brain very early. And that, that word, <laughs> no second, will be by far less pleasant. That closed the deal for me. The next morning, I resigned. And after that, I'm like, okay, <laughs> now what? <laughs> and now what? It was, it was a series of, of synchronicities, of, of meeting people, of having someone, you know, when someone says something and all of a sudden you do like, Ugh, what is that? But then a month later, he was like, but of course, but of course. So from being in a crazy investment banker who was always scrambling to be accepted, to, you know, to show that I, I'm worthy and I'm part of this elite of, in the rat race, I went into um, becoming a coach and today I coach people who are not quite like me, <laughs> but more people who are still in this kind of wheel in a way where you, you this, is, this is a tough city. I mean, all big cities are tough. This is a particularly tough city because it's really, uh, the, the mood is really into the survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do, to, even, even the most zen spiritual enlightened person will go into that because you can feel it around you so i, I feel my mission is very soft soft mission but i feel that i am able to understand what's going on with these people overachievers i understand what it feels that somehow you you go into these jobs almost in the absence of choice, right? From, from the outside, it's very glamorous. Oh, I work on Wall Street and ah, great. And I work on all these billion dollar deals. Wow, fantastic. 
but inside there's there's a little part of you that is dying so my mission is to bring back to life that little thing inside of them and not so many words it's, it's, I, it's very disguised because not everybody is ready to hear that and it's not absolutely not my job to force that into people but basically to give them a bit more balance a bit more joy a bit more happiness without leaving their jobs if they don't want to leave it's it's i think there is there are a lot of good things happening on in every job and a lot of bad things happening in every job as well so there is this myth that wall street are all horrible people trying to exploit bullshit there is a lot of goodness happening there is a lot of bad things as well but there is a lot of goodness and the idea is the more you bring that goodness out of people the more you you they are happy with what they are they are happy in their lives and the more impact they will have around them and that is their job after <laughs> so this is this is it's not i'm not even going to say i'm passionate about about it i just sense into that i sense this profound sense of sadness in a lot of people because they are lost because they, they are this archetype of the people who succeed. We live in societies where you succeed when you have the big penthouse and, and the big car and the beautiful women. <laughs> so they have access to that. That's not the problem. The problem is that for many of them, okay, I had it, I have it, but now what? Mm. Now, now, yes. What do I do with this? I'm, I'm not happy. I'm empty. So I like to be the, maybe the little spark <laughs> to say, I understand you. I can see you. I understand you. But you know what? You don't, you don't have, you, you, we have in a way to get away from this new agey thing that you have to quit your job and to go to in the cave in the Himalayas and thing <laughs> <laughs> to the other. Yeah. yeah. You can you can be you can be the wisest human being here and be extremely wealthy and not have to renounce to anything that you don't want to renounce of to as long as you do it with conscious, as long as you know why you're doing it. It's not so much about what you do, but how you do. Yes. And this is the toughest part, I think, even for me. It's still fun, of course. At times, I think you noticed, I mean, the listeners can't see my face, uh, but I cupped my face and I was just, my mouth just hung open at times with, with such a uh, beautiful story. What struck me is that you at one point said, I thought I had lost my spirituality. And then a few moments later, you said, I'm the type of person who, when I make plans, they don't seem to work out. But when I let myself feel and see what comes up, and if I like that, I'll do that. And I thought, you're intuitive. You listened to your soul. You, you, knew, you, you knew that you had to go through chemotherapy. So those struck me, and much of your story struck me. But 
as usual, this is about the permission to be you. And in what you were saying, one morning you woke up, you were enraged, and you thought, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And you resigned. I think that is where you gave yourself the permission to say no and do what you want to do with your life, to follow your own mojo, not go into the rat race. First, before we delve in, dive into that, can you tell me why you wanted to be part of this conversation? Because you approached me, and as I said before, I was really touched. Can you tell me what, what you want to bring into the world by being here with me in this conversation today? Because of the title, Permission to Be You. Yes, the title was when, when I listened to um, your interview with Anke, and then I went into your website, and I was thinking, Permission to Be Me. I would love to, to have, to give myself the permission to be me, because I've never given that to myself ever. And I lived in a family, and I'm not the only one, where the permission to be you was not granted because what your parents want, what my parents wanted from me or for me was to ensure that I had a prosperous and nice life, that I had a safe future. Safe future is not being a coach or is <laughs> not being me. I am a very I was born a very shy person. I, I, when I was a kid, I would hide in the groceries uh, place where my, my grandmother used to put her groceries in the kitchen. This is where I would hide, hide because I didn't want anybody to find me. And, I'm, and that person is still inside of me. It's part of me. When I, when I was listening and I thought to myself, what is the permission to be me? So it's, it starts by who am I, right? <laughs> so to give myself the permission. But it also means that at some point in my life, and this is also what I want to bring to people, the people that I work with, the people that I speak with are perfectionists. They are overachievers. There are these people who somehow at some point were driven to become producers, right? It was never more about enjoying anything, but it was about bringing, bringing revenues, bringing deals, bringing this, having more clients. The permission to be you is to say, but where am I going with this? What does that mean? Who am I trying to please exactly? I, one of the things that I tell a lot of people because that's also something that I, I keep in my head is you are, you are so scared of betraying other people mm. that you are ending up betraying yourself. Wow. Right? Mm. So I, I have people who are in their 50s that are laid off and they are very scared of not going back to investment banking because their kids are very proud of having daddy or mommy as an investment banker with a title. Exactly. exactly. And, and you know what? If that's not working for you, then see what you can do to 
to find that joy inside of you, right? And it doesn't mean that you're go maybe you're not going to earn as much, but you know what? Look what you are getting in exchange. You're getting more time. Maybe also you are showing your kids that it's okay for them to want to become an artist if they would choose to, right? That's what you are modeling for them. Yeah. And, and this is why, why I, I'm so touched by this permission to be you because the more I think about myself, the more I know that I'm, it's, it's very recent that I give myself permission to be me because even when I resigned, I stayed hidden for a long time because for me, success is about achieving. So my coaching business is not this multi-million dollar business. So it's not so much about the money, but it's more about this sense of, oh, I, 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 I did it. Right? And, and this is when you were with Anke, this is what, what immediately caught my attention when you said that you were, you were grasping and, and gripping at this coaching, like, I, I need to be, I was like, the day you let go, all of a sudden, like, hey, <laughs> I'm still me. <laughs> I found freedom. Yeah. And that's what it means, is like, you, you, we... We even even when you are in the spirituality, whatever is like you, we want so much to be something, right? And in reality, it's not about being something. It's about being you. It's about being someone who is not defined by where you live, what you eat, what you think, who you vote for. And it's very tough as well because it it all all the time you have to step back and say, okay. What is my agenda here? When, when you're talking to someone or someone really gets on your nerves, it's like, how can I go to a state of neutrality? Because this is where I am, right? As a soul or as a human being, I should be extremely, I should be, I want to be extremely neutral because there is no real truth in here. The truth is seven and a half billion people. Seven, <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. Maida, I'm so glad, I'm so touched that you reached out and that we're having this conversation, really, because you're touching on, you're articulating what I'm trying to bring out into the world really, really well. We are not something because of a title. We are not something because of what we do, we achieve, what car, whatever. We are who we are, and that is enough. Yeah. What about... This is a very important facet of the permission. I mean, when you said no and you resigned, you really stood up for Maida. Yeah. You took your power back. You, took your, you, you, you fought for your health. You took your health back. And you won. Can it be victory? Yes. In my books, yes. When we stand up for ourselves, we are sending a very powerful and positive message and it sends a ripple in the world. What about your personal life? I can't imagine, and this is, this is that's something that's stru struck me and it strikes me, is that I am really protected. When I think about my life, I'm uh, Maltese, brought up in Malta, and I lived in Malta for 41 years, and then I, I um, emigrated to the Netherlands, and I've been here for nearly 11 years. 
I live in a city that has 110,000 people, but it is not cut, cutthroat. New York sounds cutthroat. And I thought that being a sales representative was cutthroat. I could never do what you did. In the, I, could, I wouldn't be able to too much pressure for me. I'm in awe of that. What was I going to say? I went on a tangent. How are you in your personal life? How are you showing up and giving yourself permission to be who you are in your daily life without apologizing for who, who you are? Do you, do you know what, what yes. I... Yes, yes. So going back to throughout my years, so in London, I was... I was still extremely shy, but I am someone who connects easily <laughs> with people. So I developed very quickly within the bank, a lot of friendships that I still have today. And also when I came to the US, I, I, I heard a lot, you are too sensitive, you need to, to develop thick skin, do this, do that. I was never, I've, I've always felt that there was, some softness to the way I was working with other people. So I was very protective of other people as well. I never liked finger pointing. I was, I had this personal integrity throughout my work that was always going for me. And the good news is that a lot of the, and I worked, I uh, worked with Hong Kong. I worked with London with, with all the offices of my bank. So I, I knew a lot of people. And up until now, so earlier today, um, there is a guy I used to work with. He lives in Puerto Rico and he just emailed me saying, can we meet? And we just met and we had a conversation like it was yesterday. So I think for me, it was, although I, I was sometimes quite hysterical and bitchy and shouting and what have you, but inside of me, there's always been this soul this person this personality who would always try whatever happens to connect with others so it has a good and a bad side of it the good side is that i'm always reaching out to people or if i don't reach out when they reach out to me i'm always a yes the bad side is that there is also some people pleasing in me and some safety scared scaredy in me so the permission to be me today is about always seeing the people pleaser in me and trying to keep it at bay and choosing me <laughs> instead of the connection. <laughs> and that, that, is, that, is a, that is my tall order today. It's, it's, um, so can I translate that to your recognizing when to say yes and when to say no? Is that better, yes better and then i also recognize as well that sometimes i don't agree with someone or someone or sometimes i get very hurt by someone i used to take that very personally in the sense what did i do what what what, what did i do maybe i'm bad maybe i should have been a nicer person whatever there are times where i see that i've been really a bitch it happens <laughs> but i also recognize that I, I have not everything is rosy and unicorns and, and rainbows in my life, but it's mostly a good life. Yes. But I do recognize that it's a good life because I see it as such. In the past, 
I was earning much better, much more than now. And I was always miserable. I just, I was very guil- feeling very guilty about earning this money that I felt was coming from me not putting enough effort because I'm, I also, I have some, sometimes I do things quite easily. So the money was coming in times where I felt I wasn't doing enough. Uh, so I, I had that guilt because no pain, no gain, of course. Just conditioned thinking. Completely. But I also see in other people when they have this kind of like perfect life, but I look at them and then they, they become either aggressive or whatever towards me. And I'm you know, I just like, okay, we're going to stop the conversation here. But I also recognize in them when I can that there's this wounded part in them that is not seen. The super difficult part for me is that I always want to save other people. Mm. And that, and the if I if 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 you if I go on the street and I saw and I see ten puppies and kitten, you're almost certain that. <laughs> so I don't. I I avoid these places <laughs> because I know. But I do that with humans too a lot. Maturity for me, maturing for me was accept. So not forcing onto other people. Yeah. And accepting that my job is not to save them. My job is to have the tools, to be there with them, to offer once, twice. And when it comes to a no from them, then my job is done. And what it's... Mean when it comes to a no from them? Yes. What, what, what do you mean? I'm not following. So what, what I mean is that you have this conversation, whether it's a client or a friend or a family member. And now when I, when there is a problem, I see possibilities. Well, whatever there is a problem happen, I've seen a lot of different things. Yes. So I offer a solution. I offer two solutions. I offer three solutions. If the person does not want to hear it, it's probably because it's not the right time for them to hear it. Yes. And I stop because I, I never liked being forced upon anything. Nobody likes that. But sometimes, sometimes it's good to have a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm less and less ready now to be that, that person who does the kicking. <laughs> mm-hmm. I prefer a much softer approach as in this is, this is, the, you know, this is what I'm sensing in you or this is what I think you have would you like to try this and this and this yes or no mm-hmm. and then we go there but i think it's it's because of my personal experience i think sometimes things have to happen in order for you to wake up and react if that doesn't you can because we 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 lie to ourselves right we want to think that it's all good but i'm not sure if we we lie or we we're very good at fooling ourselves because fear plays a very big role in which in decisions that we take and they're either based in fear or in love and if they're based in fear then (laughs) we'll lie to ourselves but i don't think we'll be lying i think we'll be fooling ourselves more Yeah. yeah it's a question of just different words you struck me just now by, by using the word save. And I don't think we can save anyone. I don't think we don't. And nobody needs saving. No. 
because the true essence of people is cannot be touched it's untouched it nothing can can destroy it another thing that touched me is that you said you you can be a perfect bitch and that you prefer not to kick someone up the arse and generally speaking i don't think it ever helps kicking anyone up the arse because we get the opposite to what we desire for that yeah. individual although what we desire for the individual is is normally perhaps might be not what they want but uh, let's bring it back to shining the light on why we why you think you're a perfect bitch because i have there have been times where i have been tough I remember one particular incident uh, where I was tough and I really kicked myself afterwards. I was feeling guilty. Why did you do that? Blah, 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 blah. A few, I think a couple of months later, I received an email with a heartfelt thanks. So why do you perceive yourself as being a bitch at times? That's interesting to me. It was it was more during my time in investment banking, and it wasn't it was a very small period of time, but it's it's I I was very tough with some of the people I was working with because the what I was what expectations were of me, I needed somebody also to help doing right. I had I have a certain number of deliverables, and I had a person whose job was to help me give these deliverables. And this person has decided at the time, and it was, she gave her, herself permission to be herself, is that she didn't want to put on the hours, the work and, and etc. And I ended up having to do her work, mm. my work and part of the work above me. Mm. And I got a lot of pressure from above me. And for me, it was a survival issue again. Uh, for me, it was, if I don't put pressure on this person, she, she, she's not, I, I, I cannot do her job. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now. And I became really very bitchy. The, so I, I, I just have, so, sorry, I, I, I want to interrupt you because this is important to me, how people perceive themselves. So I don't think that you're being a perfect bitch in my eyes. I think you were just surviving. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, so we can say to ourselves, I'm being a perfect bitch, but if, if you can't take on the work, and, that's, and as a result, with all the work that you were doing, and stress can cause illness. Yeah. Apart from your, as you said, you, you are um, immigrants, you've had a, quite a tough upbringing. So you still think you are a perfect bitch? No, I, I think, as you said, I think my behavior was between more than me. Mm. Um, and as you said, it's, it's, I, I, I see it now, how much it was out of fear and out of survival. Mm. But also it gives me, it gave me a bit of a perspective that a lot of the people that we judge behaving badly, you know, the assholes. <laughs> a lot of these people... For several of these people, it's really just because they're, they're scared. They're scared of losing their job, so better you than me, blah, blah. 
and maybe we talked about passion and we talked about vision and and maybe one of the things that we all of us are doing in the coaching and in this this kind of awareness type of businesses or, or work is to, to, to bring attention, awareness to people to say, do you really need to do that to survive? What is survival with you, for you? And to, to have them change their behavior so that even though they feel the pressure from all parts, to understand that there is always a more gentle and more kinder and maybe a more a, a way for them to look at themselves in the mirror in the next morning and to like that person. Because when I was doing that, I hated that person. I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm between the rock and the hard place. I don't know what to do. I'm horrible. And I hate being horrible. Yes. And, and I think that for a lot of people, um, just one anecdote, because it's coming to me right now, but this is something that was, that really was very important anecdote for me. It wasn't me, it's a friend who told me that. She had, she was working with a guy in France and he was promoted with no choice into becoming the guy who would restructure a plant in France, a factory. And his job was basically to fire everyone. That, that is his job. And he was someone who was very gentle and very kind soul. And he really, really, really hated this idea to have to lay off people. Yeah. And then he took 15 days off and he left and he said, I need to think about it. And he came back and he accepted because at that point in his life, he realized that he is probably the best person to lay off people with Good. kindness. Kind. Yeah. Wow. And he took his time to meet every single person, to ask them what they want, to give them a placement. Uh, he contacted a lot of people he knew. He made sure that these people who are just numbers for a big company who didn't care, that these people were seen, that they were understood, that someone was a form of container for their sorrow, for the loss, for the grief that they were going through. And I like this idea, not to be a martyr, but the idea that each of us here, you know, we can, I, it's sometimes when I was younger, I used to think, well, it's easy to be a priest or a nun. I can do that. You know, you're, you're in, in your monastery. You don't have to, to deal with people. You don't have, you have, have to do anything. You're just there. You sit all day and you pray. That's it. so we need people to pray for our souls obviously and that's their job here uh but i think that we can do we can do not a nun or a monk whatever but we can we can be that that beacon of light in a way without it's a bit blue stuff but we, we can be we can be that that little light in somebody's life even if it's for a second Yes. Um, they, when someone opens the door for you, thank you. Yes. That's it. Yes. And you, you check the box. You, you, you get to live another day as a, as a decent human being. Yes. <laughs> and on this note, <laughs> touched upon, Maida, so many beautiful facets of living life of kindness, of recognizing the pain in others and trying to be compassionate towards it and recognizing also that we can't always 
be compassionate because we get stuck in our own spiral or shitty thinking. Uh, you've touched upon we so it's it's endless. These conversations keep getting better and better, and I'm a bit not overwhelmed. I don't know which one to pick, but I think this was a good note to leave to just to leave it here. Thank you very much for reaching out. Thank you. For Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I, so I'm, I'm I'm going to tell you I am so honored and I am so glad that your experience is out in the open that you are touching people one by one by this you know we all have stories right we can we can be we're the product of the story but the story is there shouldn't be defining us what it's what we do with it yeah it's it's our journey it's the hero's journey i love when I when I when I listen to your podcast with Anki, when I listen to Anki, I love this this victorious part of us. As in, you know what? Shit happens. You know what? Not not everybody. Sometimes you even if you lived, you were born in that huge penthouse with a ton of money and all is fine. It's still a hero's journey. It does not matter. But what matters is what you do with it. What matters is how you pick up yourself you pick yourself up and you show up into the world without being scared about oh shit what are you going to think of me i'm blah blah, blah. Oh, all this is bullshit nobody cares and you shouldn't care to begin with just be that column be that that person that you are happy to be and the rest will follow because if you're not happy with yourself nothing in the world will make you happy ever so thank you for being that person to spread that message, to make it out there <laughs> in, the, in the World Wide Web. And so that one day, know that one day, a person like me will be listening to, to one of your podcasts or to your interview with Anke and will say, Jesus, this is exactly what I wanted to hear today. This is exactly why I needed to be on this website, on this podcast at this moment. And once you have this, you know that you have accomplished your soul mission and you're going to check the box. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>